0: Hey everybody, I am calling in from the road today to welcome you to this episode. A little bit different today. Uh, Been on the road, Patty and I have been in and out of town Uh, My wife and I just welcomed our fourth child into the world, and so very exciting time, but we didn't have time to record an interview this week. And so I thought about not doing an episode, and then I realized, wait a second, we've already got a great insider's report, great questions from the field, and I realized that we have so many episodes that we recorded over a year ago that simply never uh, got as many listens because we just weren't as, you know, didn't have the podcast going as much. And so the interview you're going to hear today is from episode number seven. And I also love this one not only because Donnie Troy does such a great job in this interview giving practical advice for single agent isos, but also because I had Alana and Donnie, my son and daughter, in the studio that day and they did a really nice uh, little intro to the podcast that I think is really cute. So I hope you enjoy it. Great content from a year ago. Hope you had a great new year and I wish you great success in 2020. Hey, everybody, this is James Shepard. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. I'm actually in the studio with my daughter, Alana, and my son, Donnie, and they thought they would just welcome you themselves today.
1: Welcome to the Merchant Sales Podcast. Today, we have an exciting episode for you.
0: All right, everybody, we got Donnie Troy here. And uh, so Donnie, I've known him for how long have we known each other? Donnie's been years. I don't know how many.
1: Uh, yeah, 2000. About 2011.
0: Yeah, so, so. Uh, Donnie Troy has built a very successful uh, merchant services business down in the Orlando area. Uh Individually, though, and I was telling Patty, I don't think you've – I mean, like, you've never uh, hired anybody or anything like that. This is a, a one-man show down there, right?
1: It is, yeah, one-man show. I do have a couple uh, – I mean, from time to time, I have someone that wants to get into the industry, and I try sure. to help them out, and, you know, they're kind of like a sub-agent, but – um but it hasn't really worked out. So I pretty much just myself.
0: That's awesome, man. I love it. So, hey, you know, expenses are low, you know, you can get revenue high. Mm -hmm. That's the way to do it. (laughs) So,
1: yeah, exactly.
0: So tell us now, I don't know if I've ever heard this story, so I'm kind of curious as well. What were you doing before this? And then how did that end up getting you into the merchant services industry?
1: So, um, I was, um, it was always my dream to play on the PGA tour and be a professional golfer. So, right. Uh, after college, I raised some money through investors to give it a shot, and I was playing golf full time, just working on my game and um, trying to, you know, elevate it to that level. Um, and it just wasn't working out for me. I, I kind of gave myself a time limit on it, right? Because you know, I, I didn't. I wanted to, you know, eventually, I wanted to, you know, have a family and right. uh, be successful, and so you know, you get a kind of evaluate yourself. And I, I was 25 years old and just uh, starting to give up on the dream. And I was approached by um, someone who owned an, a small ISO and sure. it really intrigued me, the whole business. So um, that's kind of how I got started.
0: Sure. Um, so when you first got in with the small ISO uh, how did you prospect? Because I know a lot of reps, like when they first get into the industry, it's like they just don't know what to do. What? How are you prospecting um, and able to kind of keep that consistent to to get your you know your your portfolio built up?
1: Yeah. So, well, when I actually was, I was approached by uh, this person at had a small ISO and I just started doing some research on the industry, and, and I actually found you on YouTube, and that's kind of I reached out to you, um, and I started working with you, that's how I, that's how I began the business. So, um, I honestly watched all your YouTube videos <laughs> five times over and, and that's, I kind of followed your instructions to a T. I, I would, um, I would use your, your pitch. Um, I still pretty much use the same pitch and i just went would go door to door
0: well you know Um, if if for nothing else you get extra brownie points that you watched all my videos back when the audio quality was like uh (laughs) you know i don't know how you even got through that
1: (laughs) (laughs) no i know but they're all the 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 information and the way you presented it and honestly it, it works so it was um you know the audio didn't matter it was you know, the result, so. just
0: out of curiosity, and I, you know, just wondering, was there like a point? Like, did you know from day one? Like, oh, this is this is what I'm gonna do, or was there a point where you hit, you know, X amount in residual, or you know, when was it where you were kind of like, okay, cool, like this is what I'm gonna do to be really successful?
1: Ah, uh, you know, that's a good question. Um, I was like, when I was giving up playing golf. I I took a job uh, at at the golf course in the restaurant. And my dad had a promotional advertising business up in Massachusetts
0: hmm. where I
1: grew up. And so I tried to do some sales for him. And, um, I knew that watching him cr- create this business when it was like in the late nineties, I was in like third grade and kind of like growing up to see, you know, he's, he's in sales. It's all it is in sales. It's very, there's a lot of similarities. And, sure. Um, I was just so intrigued by the merchant services business about building this residual income. And so, as soon as i you know made my first sale and saw how it worked i i kind of knew at that moment that yeah I, I really just bought into it and yeah it's kind of funny looking back because you know i remember like i think maybe i made like 50 dollars for my first <laughs> client a month and right like telling people telling people about it and they like laughed at me like,
0: like right 50
1: bucks a month like how are you gonna you can't right. do that and i i just saw the bigger picture you yeah know, i kept my job uh, still serving tables and i and i would do this and You know, until, you know You start to just build up that residual So, it's pretty
0: cool Now, you know what, well, and it's funny too I was just just remembering when uh, I would love to say for me it was the same way with that first sale But it wasn't, for me it was when I got my first buyout offer because I had, like, uh-huh. you know, I don't know, 1500 a month in residual or something like that. And you know, I get this buyout offer for, like, you know, $15,000 or something, which was actually a really bad multiple. But I got that, and it, it, that was the first time it clicked with me, like, oh, like, this is an asset. This is pretty cool. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, <laughs> you know. exactly.
0: So, okay, cool. so the other thing you brought up that I have to do one follow-up question on because I get this a lot. So when you say you had your job at the, uh, the golf uh, restaurant there while you were getting started – how how many hours a day were you putting in a merchant services versus this other position? Because I pretty much always tell people that working you know doing the two things at the same time has a low probability of success. But apparently you you kind of made that work.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, so the job I had was unique. It was I was catering for weddings, so it was you know I wouldn't have to go into that job until like. Three three o'clock to start setting okay, up. Sure. And so I had all morning, and Got it. so I was putting in more time into the merchant service business, Than especially, you know, when I started seeing the results. You know, it just made sense for me to to uh, right to go out and, and and prospect all day long, and and sure. that, you know you have so much time in the beginning to prospect. Yeah. Um, because you don't have to service and there's not so much support going on, so you know I would just go out and, and prospect and start creating leads.
0: Hmm. yeah it's like I don't really talk about the story very much, Patty, but uh when I first got into the industry, so I was coming from a job where I had thirty direct reports uh-huh. and I'm out in the field selling, and I ended up getting a job at a call center, making like I think twelve dollars an hour. Mm. Um, because I wanted, so I needed something in the evening cause I want to put my whole day into the business. Right. And I also wanted a dead end job cause I knew that if I got a decent job, you would be, I'd be so into that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like I have to do well at this. And then, you know, so that's interesting, Donnie though. I mean, that's kind of sounds like kind of what you were like, all right, I got this job that says pay the bills or whatever, but you, you were still putting a lot more time in the merchant services side than the other.
1: Yeah, exactly, yep. I just cool. saw the big picture and, and, and jumped right in.
0: Cool. Okay, so let's fast forward to today and talk about a few things. So, um, well, I guess let's start with prospecting. So are you do? is there anything different about the way you're prospecting today than when you first got in? Are you doing more of like networking stuff, or is it you're, you still have the tried-and-true prospecting method you've always done?
1: Um, so I, I'm, I'm part, I've always been part of a, a networking group. Um, they've been different groups. But I try to stay in them for at least th- three years um, at a time, and and because uh, you, you kind of create a lot of good relationships with these people, and I and I stay in touch with, even like the, a group that I was in four years ago. I stay in touch with mm-hmm. all those professionals. Um, but um, so that that's that's very small. That's only once a week. So the rest of the week, I I do a lot more phone calls than I used to. Sure. Um, just because I can be more efficient with it um like you mean like like you mean like
0: follow-up phone calls and stuff of people that maybe you've talked to in the past that kind of okay sure so you have you basically you have a a database to work off of now
1: yeah exactly Uh, so a lot of exactly i i just i guess in the beginning i was um i would just go out and and hit the pavement and all my follow-up would be also just walking back in Mm -hmm. and and now i just try to be a little bit smarter about it um yeah and because i have that base as well so i'm kind of it's just it's a little bit different dynamic than what it used to sure. be
0: sure you know out of curiosity if you could go back in time would you do it differently in terms of like would you have prospected at the beginning more the way you do now using the phone more or is that just kind of the way it is you you start out in the field and you build a database and then you can be on the phone or any thoughts about that
1: um i think i don't think i would change anything um you know it's kind of it's kind of part of the process and the development. I think it's yep. so important to get out there, and you just learn so much. Mm-hmm. I mean, my sales skills have gotten so much better, yeah. where I'm able to kind of get through and communicate better through the phone. Where you know, I had to kind of show my face more um, when I first started. Yeah, um, and it's still like so it's invaluable to show up. I mean, I still think that's the best way to do it.
0: It is. I think when you walk in, you know, I mean, number one, they know you're not um, in India or. What was the other one that we just interviewed? Nepal. Carson Nepal. Uh, they know you're actually yeah. in a. You're there because you're there. You're not just saying you're there. You're actually physically walking in. So I think that has a. Right. I think that has a big a big impact. Um, and plus, you have so much more. I, I think it like in sales. I mean, when you're on the phone, all you have is your words right you know and mm-hmm. that's tough i mean at least when you're in person you have kind of your you know you can shake their hand you can they can look in your eye right you right. can you can do some different things so okay so you're when you're prospecting today what is your current value proposition we talk about that a lot in the podcast um you know how much of the value proposition are you you know are you customizing it for each kind of business owner or is it kind of a general pitch give us some idea of what's your value prop when you're when you're pitching these merchants today
1: Um, you know, it's, I, I believe it's myself. It's, it's me, the, the level of knowledge, um, the the effort, the level of of support that I provide. Um, and I think you have to believe that if you're in this industry, um, you got to believe that as as an agent that you're the value add. Um, just because the, the, you know, the process, we all know who the processors are, are out there. They all do a great job. There's, there's so many, um, so many good choices for equipment today Um, and the good thing is we have Mm -hmm. access to most of them as agents so it's about you know helping the client decide you know what's best for them what do they need um, and, and then and going forward from there
0: yeah you know and it's like Donnie I wish I could somehow make a video to communicate to the reps how important it is to like what you just said it's so hard to like quantify when you walk into a business and you Just to like the you know in your soul, like you know that if that merchant worked with you, that would be their best option, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you just believe that you know. And then when they say, "Oh, I'm not interested," or they try to blow you off, you know, you're able to very transparently and honestly take that personally a little bit. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to explain Mm -hmm. that to a rep, but it's there. You know, reps are always like, "What's the best rebuttal? What's the best rebuttal?" Well, to me, the best rebuttal is shock, surprise, and disappointment. Right. It's not what you. It's not what you say. It's like wait, I'm sorry. What? Like, I'm sorry. Maybe I didn't explain myself very well. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been doing this for, I know what I'm talking about. I can't help you. I am, mm-hmm. you know, like it's something about that, like taking it personally a little bit and sincerely being like, I'm the best, you know, it's selling yourself. And I don't know how to communicate that effectively, but I mean, you know what I'm saying, Donnie? I, I feel like that's a it, huge it, part of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Something about it's that. true.
1: And, and that kind of goes back to what we just talked about, like showing up when you're, when you're prospecting and following up in person, because yeah. it kind of, it kind of like, that's, that's part of the process of earning a business owner's trust is just yeah. showing that you're there. Yep. Um, and so it's all, it all kind of, it's a lot harder to I, say you
0: no. Know. I think it's a lot harder for the merchant to say no in person. Oh, I agree. You know, they, yeah. That's it, That's awkward. <laughs> you can always say. So yeah, up yeah. telephone. You're right. Uh, yeah. anyway, but all right. All right, cool. So let's move on to another really hot topic here. And I actually don't even know. I, I, I think we might've talked about this, but are you doing anything with cash discounting down there, uh, in, in the Orlando area or not?
1: Uh, I'm not yet um I definitely am looking into it and I, I really love the idea of it the the company I saw that I board most of my deals was right now they don't support it so sure you know they don't provide the signage and I mean I could I know how to you know set up the account to do cash discounting right um, right and, sure. and I but I just I haven't really well done I'll, it I'll tell yet, you so what to, I'll
0: tell you what's so interesting Donnie, is is that you know, what you just said, and of course not giving any names or anything, but I mean like that's that's a call out to the ISOs mm-hmm. that, you know, if you don't offer cash discounting, believe me, your reps are aware of it. Uh, and they're looking into right. it and they're interested in it. And so um, it's not, you know, it's not that. I did that, uh, the the podcast I did a few weeks ago, but, you know, I was talking about it. I mean, it's not that hard to set it up. I mean, it's, you know, you got to be compliant, no. but I mean, compliance is like a sign and it's like, you know, doing a little bit of research, finding the right billing platform. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not that, that and hard. It's really about getting the right solution partner, don't you think? Yes, definitely. Yeah. 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 So, okay, cool. I was just, I was just curious what, any, any thoughts on it, Donnie? I mean, after you've kind of looked into um, it a little bit.
1: No, I really like it. I mean, the only... Are you seeing thing, it? Are you only, seeing it down like, there in Orlando? You know, I haven't seen it that often. I okay. mean, I, I, I have seen it, but it's not like... um, It's still like the very beginning. You right. Know?
0: Yeah, um, still on the fringes. So
1: I think there's a huge opportunity. The, the only thing I struggle a little bit with, it is I, I, I kind of want to be able to set it up myself um, and kind of choose the rate. And, you know, yeah. a lot of these providers, they make you... It has to be 3.99. You, know, you have to do 3.5 or 3.9, and... I struggle with that a little bit because you know I have some like automotive shops that are you know effective rates of you know under two percent.
0: Right. And so it's like how much markup do me, you really like to need to make? make. <laughs> right. Right.
1: Yeah, exactly. So exactly. So I could do a cash discount at two point five, and and that would you know you're like hundred basis points. My commission would go up plenty enough, and that that's right. like would make more sense to me. So
0: yeah. Well, yeah, because then it makes it easier for the merchant too. On some of those situations, you know, for them, if they're adding four percent onto a thousand dollar transmission replacement or something. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. you know that's kind of a big deal and so um, yeah I agree with that 100% I think you you have to use providers that allow you to kind of you know be flexible when necessary there so for sure Mm -hmm. okay so last question uh, of the day here Donnie is your tips so uh, we talked about a lot of stuff already of course but any kind of uh, final tips or advice that you would give to reps that, and again, I mean, without giving any numbers, I mean, you know, Donnie, you've, you've made, you've been, you've done very well right in this industry. And, and mm-hmm. so what would you tell reps that are just now getting into it? Uh, any tips that you give them or advice or encouragement?
1: Um, uh, definitely, uh, you have to find a mentor. Um, I mean, for this industry, you were definitely my mentor. I, 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 can't tell you how much your material has helped me. Um, and so, you have to have a mentor and and then also just like general basic sales. I think it's, I have other mentors as well and I study and read books and, um, what you say and what you do, uh, is everything. I mean, for earning a business owner's trust and and to, to win the deal. Sure. Um, so I think that, uh, you know, what I found is people kind of underestimate the effort that it takes to be successful in this business as well. So, um, it all, it all sounds good. Someone asked me what I do and I explain to them and they're like, oh my God, like you, you say business owner's money. Like all you got to do is tell them that and they're going to sign up with you. And it takes, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? It,
0: yeah, sure. There's so much
1: more uh, <laughs> effort that goes into it. So I would just tell someone getting into it that you have to prospect very, very hard. And, um, and probably even more importantly is you have to follow up. Um, right. mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many times I've won deals after 10, 15, 20 follow-ups um, and sometimes you know you you start thinking about it you're annoying this person but i really <laughs> believe that you're you're earning their trust by yeah. by just showing up right. um, mm-hmm. and it's just so important that you know you, you can't underestimate what it takes to to get one even just one account you have to you have to prospect and follow up
0: yeah, go back over and over again and, and show them that their business is important to you. So yeah. you, know, you know what's, you know what's exactly. funny? What's funny, Don, I have to tell you, this is hilarious. So I, I, I had the same problem with, uh, as you in terms of like, you know, I would tell people what I do and they're like, well, that just sounds like so easy. And so I came up yeah. with this thing I always tell them. I say, well, let me explain how easy it is by giving you a different context. I want you to walk up to a stranger on the street. And tell them that you're going to give them $50 a month for the rest of their life. All they have to do is write down their social security number, their bank account number, (laughs) their routing number on a 3 by 5 card and hand it to me and I will hang on to it and promise that I will keep it safe. Yeah. <laughs> and then they're like, yeah, oh, <laughs> it's like, yeah, you go try you know, that. You do that all day. Eight hey, Do that eight hours a day. See how you feel at the end of the day. <laughs> that's you know? a good one. I'm definitely going to
1: use that.
0: <laughs> so anyway, hey, Donnie, that was awesome, man. Thank you so much for being on here. I love to, I really want to get more individual, you know, sales professionals from the industry Successful, on the podcast. Because right. I think, yeah. I think salespeople yeah. need to hear that. You know, they need to hear somebody like you saying, you know, this is difficult. You got to go back. You know, those are the things that really matter because, um, you know, being an expert in the industry like you are and, and then having that passion about it and that passion for yourself and and the value that you provide. I mean, that's, that's really how portfolios are actually built in this industry. And then everything else on top of that, the ISOs, the acquirers, all that stuff, really what happens is it it comes down to feet on the street like Donnie here that is really putting his heart and soul out there and making these relationships. Right. So awesome. Donnie. Hey, man, thanks so much for your time. This is the Insider's Report with Patty Murphy, brought to you by The Green Sheet. For the past 36 years, The Green Sheet has been the go-to source for news, analysis, and educational tools that empower and connect payments professionals. If you're not reading The Green Sheet already, check it out on the web today at greensheet.com.
2: Hey, James, American Express is sweetening the merchant acquisition uh, pot by uh, offering signing bonuses to merchants. Yeah, I saw something about that. Yeah, I saw it. It came on. The report I'm, I'm referring is from the Wall Street Journal and CNBC. Sure. And uh, the journal reports that bonuses uh, you know, are, are designed to defray the startup costs associated with Amex acceptance, of course. Um, and it says the bonuses are being offered to... Of course, just a fraction of, of the merchants. Right. Um,
0: Looks like it was the larger merchants. Right.
2: Exactly. Okay. You know, And no details were available on precisely which categories or which merchants. But the idea that they're uh, doing this, I think, is interesting because, you know, Amex has long been seen as something of the uh, ugly stepsister. <laughs> 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 right? Uh, while Visa and MasterCard stock shares have, have posted triple-digit gains over the last five years, Amex shares have risen a meager 32%. Uh, Visa and MasterCard have also been wildly profitable, posting double digit profit gains over the last 10 years, while Amex has been posting double digit losses.
0: Now, that I actually didn't know, really. Yeah,
2: yeah. I thought that was really interesting. Huh. Yeah, I mean, not like 20, 30, but you know, right. 10, 11% losses. Really? I yeah. actually didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, and, uh, and, and their stock value is it's really not been keeping pace with a lot of the other stocks out there sure you know and, and as as our as our listeners understand and a lot of people understand you know merchants Aren't a lot of merchants aren't keen on accepting Amex cards because the fees are so much higher than in- in-house in the
0: all-in process. You know, for and it's It's interesting you bring that up because I, I think that I think we could say at this point that that's actually a misconception. And I was just that was exactly where I was going okay, with this because yeah,
2: you know, it really isn't. Well, first of all, there's a whole difference in how the fees are assessed, right? I mean, right. I, I mean, Amex is an all-inclusive, so it's a merchant. Right. Whereas with Visa and MasterCard it's interchange and right. um and then other Well and fees. I think though too
0: if you zoom out, to me the big biggest difference is Visa and MasterCard have debit cards right Amex does not all Amex has is these reward cards right so if you go let's compare the cost of accepting Visa reward cards MasterCard reward cards Discover reward cards mm-hmm. let's compare that with Amex mm-hmm. with the Amex.blue program I mean you're pretty much in the same ballpark now.
2: yeah and actually what's really interesting I, I came upon a post by a, a blog called the points guy Okay. Okay, he obviously keeps track, you know, tabs on all these points cards and so forth. Sure. And, you know, he did an analysis that says the uh, cost of accepting Amex cards has actually fallen over the last 10 years. Right. While the cost of MasterCard and Visa has risen. Sure. So,
0: you know. Yeah, they've got to be pretty, you know. I've done like, and it's it's interesting because I've seen some different numbers in in uh, the Canadian market. It's now pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, U.S. market. I think you're getting close, so it's it's getting there. It's
2: getting there. It's yeah. get, and and the other thing to remember is that you know Amex cardholders spend a lot more money. They really know?
0: do. It's amazing how much.
2: Yeah, yeah, I mean the Nielsen report estimates that Amex customers spend on average better than three times more than non-Amex. You mean
0: like a per transaction basis? Per transaction right, basis. Right
2: and that the uh, and that they um, rack up on an annual average on an annual basis. So the average annual charges to am, to an individual's Amex cart is 14 grand. Wow. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's really, you know. Well, and I
0: think too it's interesting because like to to kind of bring this down to the the bottom shelf so to say. I mean, the way this works of course is like If you're a restaurant owner and somebody comes in with a Visa or MasterCard, Mm -hmm. then that person is going to spend, let's say, $50 at your restaurant. Right. But if the person comes in with the Amex, they may have a larger group with them. They may be buying for their business. They may be whatever. They have a larger family. Like, whatever it is, they're going to come in and actually buy more food on average.
2: And because, don't you think, I think also it's like more of an entertainment expense with an Amex, whereas, you know, like you say, like- you take your family to the restaurant, you're gonna right. use your Visa or your MasterCard, right? Right, right. But if you take if you take a client or if you take your friends. Right, right. It's a it's a different expense.
0: Yeah, and it's basically just that the people that are you know, Amex clients generally they have that Amex card because they are spending more money, right? They're doing more things that you know what I mean. They're just they're a little living more, a lifestyle. Yeah,
2: they have a little bit better
0: lifestyle than the right. average. Card the, the average income of an Amex cardholder is significantly greater than the average income of a Visa Mastercard. Right, card card exactly.
2: Card and and, yeah. and you look at that as sort of like, well, of course, because like. Let's be realistic. Almost anybody can get an a- get a, a Visa, Visa or, or a MasterCard. MasterCard. Right. And right. you can with an Amex, yeah. you know. I remember when I first got my first Amex, it was like, Wow, you know, right. I have an Amex right. card,
0: right? You know, one other thought that is interesting on that though, um I was reading a book recently on branding. Mm-hmm. And they were actually talking about that in Amex in a negative light because they said that if you look back when they were making the most money and everything is back when Amex really was, like you mentioned- Was an elitist. Very, like, wow. Like, right. I, I'm the same way as you. I remember when I got right. my first Amex card about probably 15 years ago mm-hmm. and it was like, wow, I got approved for Amex. Right. You know? But they've really kind of moved more towards, let's become just like Visa and MasterCard, mm-hmm. only slightly better. Right. And it's actually not worked in their favor in terms of from a branding perspective.
2: Well, what's really interesting, too, is, you know, I, I, I think I've told you this before. I like to use prepaid cards for when I'm online right. or at gas stations sure. and so forth. And I have an Amex um, prepaid card. It's a uh, Bluebird, I think it's called. Yes. It, uh-huh. Right? Yep. Well, what's really interesting to me is they have a deal with Walmart. Okay Okay, so think about this. this you know what I what 30 years ago I thought was my elitist card right right is now I can go to Walmart and I can load money for free onto my
0: amex card, right whereas you know it's like, what are they doing in the prepaid card business? Right, and what are yeah. they doing with Walmart? No offense to Walmart, but... Right. That's, not, that's not where Amex that cardholders isn't... want to spend money. And it's no. like, I understand. I get, their, I get their dilemma because it is a chicken or egg problem. Sure. The fact that they were this elite car and had these higher fees and higher rewards meant that businesses didn't want to accept them. Right. So right. they did have kind of a problem with that. Sure. And I think that they, they've done an interesting job of solving it. And it, it's a, it's a long tail game too. I mean, you know, I think maybe it'd be five years before we see if the strategy is going to play out in their favor.
2: Exactly. And, you know, and I think some of these initiatives, like they're they've they're been paying doing,
0: people to sign up. To and sign like up that. is
2: part of that, you know. Yeah. And and this is this is the you know the latest in several initiatives that mm-hmm. they've they've launched to boost acceptance. Um, you know, uh, what is it? The um, Small Business Saturday. Sure, yeah, that was one of their things, yep, yep, right? Yep. Um. And, and you know, what's interesting, too, is industry, you know, according to industry reports, Amex is accepted at about 1.3 million fewer merchant locations. Now, that's gone down. I mean, it right. used to be a lot higher. So maybe the right. strategy is helping sure. a little bit on that. Yep. You know, um, it also, you know, lowered some of its fees in 2018. Yeah. You know, made a big deal about that. Yep. You know, and uh, a spokesperson told CNBC that the company has offered quote targeted sign on incentives in the past, right? Uh, and these these incentives have ranged from uh, just under ten thousand to about four hundred and fifty thousand. Oh wow, that's a, that is yeah. that's pretty huge. Yep. So you yep. know, uh, apparently this has been helping. Um, According to CNBC, uh, it it had you know had some quotes from some folks from Amex who mm-hmm. claimed that uh, since 2017, they've added three million new merchants. Mm.
0: Well, and see, I think it's interesting too because. One of the challenges Amex faces is that with their opt and it's funny we're having this conversation. And I'm realizing there's a, a, several of my contacts at Amex right now that I need to get on here to interview about this because okay, cool, yeah, because so um, you know the the issue too that they face is that a lot of merchants are accepting Amex, but they don't realize it. And or they don't promote it. They don't promote it, I bet, yeah. And so what'll happen sure. is the processing companies, you know, accepting Amex now is a checkbox on an application. Right. 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 And so a lot of them, um, a lot of times the, the ISO or the agent is actually signing the merchant up to accept Amex to opt blue. Uh-huh, but they're not right. actually telling the merchant that. Sure. And they're not giving the merchant any marketing pieces and or anything. And they're any not putting signage, signage out right. or anything like that. So what right? happens is they've still got their old sign up that doesn't mention A- Amex acceptance, and so they can accept Amex, but they don't know that they can. Right, right. So, so they face that challenge too. So I think it'll be very interesting. I'm still really bullish on Amex, but I think it'll be, like I really believe everybody should accept Amex as oh. far as businesses today. Well, they're... I
2: think everybody should accept everything, right? Right. I
0: mean, I mean the, the, co- the cost has come down enough that there's just no logic anymore to not, I, I think it was worth it. Accepting before, but now it's uh, clearly you should accept it. And like you say, it's so much easier to sign up for Amex than it was in the old days. Exactly, so. and now you get it with your with the Outblue program. If you qualify, you get it with your same batch and everything like that. So, I think uh, you know the the big picture is your merchants should accept Amex. Agreed. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Patty. Mm-hmm. This is questions from the field brought to you by InstantQuoteTool.com. With over 30 training courses covering everything from sales objections to statement analysis, ISOs are using our learning management system to help new agents understand the industry and how to sell merchant services. Industry veterans love our courses because we dive deeper into concepts such as interchange and explore new industry trends like cash discounting, NFC, and the resurgence of American Express with the OptiBlue program. Put all of these training courses together with the leading proposal creation tool for merchant services agents in the field, and we believe our branded ISO solution and individual user package is a must-have. Visit InstantQuoteTool.com today or email support at to learn more. So, Patty, I'm starting a new mini-series here. I love your mini-series. <laughs> Today, we're going to cover killer
2: phone scripts. Or or, or as I was saying a minute ago, filler, cone... Yes, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, a, yeah. it's a tongue twister. It's a tongue twister. So, twister, indeed.
0: So, we're going to talk about killer phone scripts, and the reason for this is that I really feel like I maybe don't do justice to the amazing phone sales representatives out there in this industry, both the ones that set appointments, well, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, the ones that call the merchants... It's, uh, it is actually a very vibrant, and I find that especially with the advent of ISVs, Oh yeah, there are more and more inside sales teams that are doing this, mm-hmm. and I have actually done a lot of consulting for phone rooms. In fact, my very first sales job was in a phone room, uh-huh. and I managed a team of phone salespeople. So um, it's really my thing. It's just that when I actually built my own personal merchant portfolio, I did it all door to door, right? Um, and so I didn't really use the phone as much there. Um, and so anyway, and so it
2: kind of went. It's it's it's
0: one of those trends that kind of ebbs and flows. It does. I've seen over the years. Yes, 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 indeed. So today I want to talk to you about the. Opening and really kind of your first five to ten seconds on the phone, Uh, extremely important because if you get it wrong, you're gonna they're gonna hang up on you. You're not gonna get that you know you're not gonna build any kind of uh, influence with them. You're not gonna get any sticking power. And so when I you know it's this is really coming from a consulting uh, project I just worked on for a company where I created an entire script for their appointment schedulers and then a video training course on how to implement it. And you know the first thing I shows are serious. Of course, and I spent a ton of time in in these videos, probably a good 20 minutes talking about the first 10 seconds, Mm -hmm. which seems like an inordinate amount of time, but if you get that wrong, nothing else really matters. So the first thing that you need to understand is that when you're calling a business for the first time, number one, you need to make sure that you get yourself into the mindset of a customer because the business owner cannot hang up on you until they know for sure that you're not a customer right and you might say, well, James, what are you talking about? That doesn't make sense. What, am I going to trick him into staying on the phone? Yeah, a little bit uh-huh. um, because you need to get some information and start to build at least a tiny bit of rapport. When I say build rapport, I'm literally talking about five or ten seconds of rapport, but it's something to establish you as just a nice person. You're not a you're not a salesperson just calling off of some script. Right. You know, you, you really sound professional. So how does this break down? Well, there's a couple things that are very, very important. Number one, when the person first picks up the phone, make sure you start with a normal greeting that a customer might make, such as, hey, how's it going today? Yeah. Yeah. Very casual. Not, hello, how are you today? Mm. No, no, no. Like, hey, how's it going today? Right. You know, fast, quick like that. Next- Think very carefully about when you're going to introduce the name of your company and what you do. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a couple schools of thought on this. Now, if you have a company name like XYZ Processing Inc. or Better Payment Solutions. That's a a no-brainer.
2: They'll know immediately.
0: They're going to know immediately and they're going to hang up on you. So my advice would be don't use that right off the bat. Instead, ask them a question before you use the name. So let's, let's break this down. So two ways you can do it. The first way is your company is called XYZ Technology Solutions. It sounds cool. Right. Well, then I might say, hey, how's it going today? Oh, great. Great. Well, my name is James Shepard. Use the full name. People trust you more when they know your full name. I agree. Okay. My name is James Shepard. I'm actually calling you from XYZ, you know, uh, amazing whiz bang technology solutions. Mm-hmm. And I just have a really quick question for you. Hey, okay. you've gotta end it with. I've just got a really quick question for you. Now, let's say that your company is XYZ Payments, you know, we save you on credit card processing. That's the name of your company, you know? Well Obviously, that's going to be a huge turnoff because people don't want to talk to credit card processing right. salespeople on the phone. Right. So, in that case, I would say, Hey, how are you doing today? Great, great. Hey, I just have a really quick question for you. Are you guys still accepting credit cards, debit cards? Like, are you still accepting those forms of payment? Um, or I might ask them a different question that would relate to that a customer might ask them, but something that relates to payments. Uh-huh. You know, maybe, Hey, do you guys have a gift card program? Mm -hmm. So you might think about that for a second. Why would I be doing that? Because they still think I could be a customer. Right. And they're not going to hang up on you. Right. Now that they've answered that question, we've started the information exchange, which I'll talk more about in in upcoming episodes here, but we've started the information exchange at a small level. They've given you some piece of information that yes, they have a gift card program, yes, they have a loyalty program, Uh, yes, they take credit cards and debit cards, you know, whatever it is. Right. And they still think you're a customer, but now we can go ahead and build off of that in the next phase Sure. because they said they do this, because they accept this or whatever. Now we can jump in and say, oh, great. Well, the reason I asked that is that I'm with XYZ Payment Processing and what we found is whatever. Mm -hmm. Now Mm -hmm. we get a little bit more leeway where if we start off with that, we're going to get those hangups. Right, right, right. Now, the last thing about the first five or ten seconds- is that you have to make sure that you're spending those 5 or 10 seconds with the decision maker, Mm -hmm. right? Right. And so, as you go through this process, very quickly you're going to learn if they are or they are not the decision maker. So. In next week's episode, I'm going to talk to you, and I've got some really specific tips. Um, I have done so many times. I've done calls on speakerphone with groups of salespeople where I've cold called and let them listen in, and um, it is this ability to get around the gatekeeper uh-huh. that usually surprises them the most. Oh yeah, I bet. And, and so let's you know make sure you tune in next week. I'm going to talk about killer phone scripts, getting past the gatekeeper. We're going to talk about that next week. Great. Thank you for listening to the Merchant Sales Podcast. Whether you are an industry veteran, processing executive, or just trying to learn about the payment space, we appreciate your time. The Merchant Sales Podcast is a joint production from greensheet.com and ccsalespro.com. We hope you will tune in next week for more information and tips on building your merchant services business.